right, let's uh, turn to Galatians in our Bible. Turn to two places tonight. Start with Galatians and uh, chapter number two. And good evening. I'm glad you're here. It's uh, important to be in church. And uh, I think I read something like so much the more as you see the day approaching. So most of us uh, understand the day's approaching. And uh, so, so much the more. We, uh, we're, we're in more need now than we've ever been before. Uh, we need each other's encouragement. We, we even just need to look around and realise, oh, I'm not alone. Because you can feel that way sometimes outside, can't you? you? You can feel like, am I the only one who thinks this way? And uh, it just, sometimes you just need to, uh, well, it's good to be encouraged and understand that uh, there are others uh, who, who are doing their best to walk with the Lord. Uh, Galatians chapter number 2, I'm going to read from verse number 11, and uh, I really enjoyed these few little thoughts. It doesn't mean you will, but um, <laughs> I, I really enjoyed them. This is just something I meditated on, and, and uh, little things like this, I just love the Bible and appreciate just the insights God gives us. Verse number 11, Galatians chapter number 2, and uh, we'll do the reading, and then I'll tell you what we're talking about. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. For before that, certain came from James. He did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, uh, fearing them which are of the circumcision. Uh, Well, I won't read on because uh, we we have already there what we're looking for. There's there's a little bit more there pertaining to that. Uh, What I want to just... uh, have you meditate on or think about a little bit tonight is uh, I want you to, to think about uh, what, how it would have been how the apostles would have interacted with each other after Jesus had gone back to heaven. All right, so, so if you want to know how, how were the apostles when they were with Jesus, there's, there's quite an extensive narrative. There's, the, the Gospels contain... Lots and lots of stories uh, of things they said to each other, to him, things they did, their faith, their lack of it, all that's there. But you have to understand the Gospels tell us really those, uh, mostly those first three and a half years. So most of those people that we call apostles uh, started off, you know, fishermen and things that we know. And so we get some insight, but, but how about after after Jesus was crucified, they saw him raised from the dead. Uh, after, how did they get on and how did they interact and what was it like? What was it, what was it like in those days? What were the apostles doing and, and how did they respond to each other? And it's just interesting to, to uh, think about that because it gives us some teaching on how we should respond to each other and particularly maybe how teachers and preachers and pastors and such people who, who it's, it's their business, as it were, to be about the gospel, how they interact with each other. And so there's, there's not much, but there's, there's a little bit. Uh, and uh, I just think what the little we have uh, is very insightful. Now, uh, you probably know already that the apostles, and I think there was only 12, 12 tribes, 12 apostles. So uh, sometimes some people today say they're an apostle or they follow an apostle. I, I don't believe that. I think it was limited to 12 uh, and that, that, that we, know, we, we know who they are and, uh, and that's that. But 
before they were apostles, we called the apostles disciples. So, so every apostle was a disciple, but not every disciple became an apostle. Now, we use those words, we interchange them sometimes. So sometimes when we're referencing the 12 uh, or, or others, some, sometimes when we're making reference to them uh, in the Gospels, we sometimes say the disciples, we sometimes say the apostles. Usually we're referring to those 12, but of course disciples is a much broader word than that. There were many, there were many disciples, as indeed you are a disciple. So, But uh, in the end there was the 12. Uh, you get to the book of Acts. You remember they took a vote on Matthias? Uh, Jesus had told them to tarry, not, not sort of to wait on the coming of the Holy Spirit at Jerusalem. And uh, opinion is divided about uh, all of this. And, and uh, uh, so some, some, some think Matthias's uh, election was legitimate and, uh, and others uh, think that maybe they jumped the gun. I'm in the second category. Uh, I don't think Math- Matthias was the 12th. Remember there was 12 and then we went back to 11. You know why we went back to 11? Because Judas left, right? And Judas went to what the Bible calls his own place. And that's significant and we we, we shan't dig at that too much. But some people believe we're not done with Judas yet. That Judas is going to uh, appear in some manner uh, during the tribulation period, during the reign of the Antichrist, that he's being reserved in his own place. Now, you don't have to believe that. uh, uh, But some people say that. But it's curious that that there's, uh, Judas is put in that category. So Judas uh, <coughs> defaulted, and uh, now we had 11, but we have to have 12. And so at a later point, uh, uh, who, who's number 12 comes along? The Apostle Paul comes along. And uh, thank God for Paul. If Paul was here, he'd be cheering for us. Uh, Paul, Paul's wonderful. He's, Paul was such a gift to us. He's, it was a gift to the churches. He was a gift to us. Paul was the zealous Jew who became a Gentile lover. Uh, Paul was the one who rebuked others for mistreating the Gentiles and, and, uh, and said some pretty, pretty, pretty uh, cutting things. So how did they interact? How did they get on? What would you have seen if you were alive in the day? Jesus is not here anymore. He's in heaven. He's left them. All they have now is his teaching. They have his Holy Spirit. They have his commands. What would you have seen? What would have been taking place if you'd been alive at that time. Well, you would have seen the apostles uh, fairly busy doing the particular ministry that they were given. So they, they did branch out, they did do different things, and, uh, and uh, they sort of had different emphasis somewhat, in different areas at least. So you would have seen that. You would have seen they didn't stay together as a group of 12. So they, they had learned, they had walked with Jesus. You know, you could say they graduated they had the Holy Spirit, Pentecost had come, uh, and, and, and uh, the Holy Spirit began to lead them to, to do the particular thing they were to do. And uh, why did they do that? Why did they kind of, it wasn't that they separated, they just got busy doing what they were supposed to do by the leading of the Holy Spirit. And as a result of that, each of those apostles who were disciples, they then began to make disciples. So John ended up with his own disciples, and Peter had his and Paul had his, and, and so they were reproducing, and that was the model that Jesus had pointed us to. That was, the, that was the whole way this was supposed to work, was that you got saved yourself, and then you went out and taught everybody all things that he, he said, and you had them get baptised, and they became disciples, and the process continued. So you would have seen them doing that, uh, going off in their own area, but no doubt they would have met sometimes. 
No doubt they would have been sort of at least some of them in the same place. We know that because we have an example here. And the example we have here is we have Peter and we have Paul, two apostles, meeting at a certain place. And it's recorded here uh, what happened. And, and, I, and I reference this because there's another reading where Peter will say something about Paul. And so, again, that's another insight. So think about that. Uh, uh, th- there's, a, there's a lot of interesting things there. What is clear is that the other 11, they accepted that Paul was 12. So that's a big thing. The, because because uh, Paul didn't, he didn't follow their journey. He, Paul wasn't a fisherman, a tax collector. Paul didn't walk with Jesus. Paul wasn't there for the Sermon on the Mount. Paul was a persecutor. Uh, he was a zealous Jew, uh, highly educated uh, a persecutor of those who followed Christ. Uh, but, you know, you know his salvation story, the Lord found him. But they accepted that. And uh, <clears throat> so that was good because that shows us the Holy Spirit was working in everybody. And uh, if we all tune into the Holy Spirit, we should be seeing the same things. If we're, if we're all in accord with the work of the Holy Spirit, then we should be, we should be seeing... Now, we're not all the same people. So 12 people, they're 12 different personalities... But they're all submissive to the Holy Spirit because they realise that they're not running the agenda. That this is Jesus' work and this is uh, Jesus' spirit and, uh, and however he leads, we all just need to submit to that. Uh, and that's what they were doing. So a good example for us. They, they saw all that. Now, what happened here was that um, uh, Peter at Antioch uh, had, uh, was, was doing okay with the Gentiles and, uh, and then when uh, uh, some came from James, from Jerusalem, Peter changed his behaviour. In other words, he suddenly, he pushed the Gentiles back out again. You're a Gentile, the non-Jews. He, he acted like uh, he was separate from them. Can you, can you see that in the reading? Uh, and, and so what happened was, when he did that, uh, uh, Paul said, I withstood him. Uh, in uh, verse 11, uh, to the face. Now, now you, you may not have had to say this for the last, I don't know, 1,900 years, but, but, but let's just say it tonight, to the face. He didn't write and circulate a troublesome email slandering Peter for his outrageous conduct and godlessness and sent it out to the brethren. Uh, he didn't put up a Facebook post and, uh, and, uh, and denigrate uh, uh, another man of God uh, for his conduct. He did none of that. Uh, he, he didn't do that. He, he, didn't, he didn't have a secret meeting before the meeting to rally the political forces uh, of the day to, to, to get the majority vote uh, in favour. He did none of that. But what he did do is he withstood him to the face. And so you should underline that in verse 11. And we should practice uh, that. That's a, b- a b- much better way to go. That he, didn't, he didn't slap his face, by the way. He didn't punch him in the face. But, but as, as Christian men do, he, who have a concern, he spoke face to face. And that's what you should do. That's a good example. Because there's something about sitting with someone, despite all you've heard and and others have fed you and you've got all stirred up and despite your, uh, you know, your, your, your pre-gone conclusions about the matter or the person, 
There's something about humbly sitting with someone and uh, just being a Christian and taking time to listen and, uh, and being uh, godly in your, in your, in, in your manner. And, uh, and he did it to the face and, uh, and he stood up. Now, now, that's a really interesting example because Paul came after Peter. Peter, Peter was, was prominent, but nonetheless, they were all an apostle. And what it tells us was the doctrine of God or the truth of God prevailed above everybody. In other words, nobody was above the truth. It didn't, you, you didn't have seniority that meant that you could interpret the scriptures or rest, is the Bible word, rest the scriptures, twist them around, put them in a hold somehow uh, because you had a certain seniority. Uh, and that's one of the great things about being in a Baptist church. Baptist churches believe that the Bible is the word of God and every Baptist preacher is just a preacher of the word of God. A Baptist, a Baptist pastor is not going to get up and, and, and go into a, you know, a, 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 a trance and say, thus saith the Lord, and, uh, and, and give you new revelation. He won't do that. He'll say, this word of God is the authority on all matters of faith and practice. So that's good about being a Baptist. You know, let's, sometimes we should say this, right? Because people think, well, what is it? Well, that's just something to rejoice in. And uh, so there was, uh, there was a, uh, a contrary thing happening here. Now, I'll tell you something else that's really uh, interesting. Can you see that all this time on, can you see that Peter is still stumbling over the same things? Isn't that interesting? Remember when he denied Jesus because of the fear of men three times? Remember all he went through? Oh, you say, I don't think he really was sorry. No, no, he was sorry. He wept bitterly. But what is apparent here is he just didn't get complete victory over that kind of thing ever coming up again. Well, isn't God good? Is that not us? And so, so years later, it's still a vulnerability for Peter that when certain came from James, he didn't want to be seen to be out of sync. He, didn't, he, he feared what they would say to him. So he, so he was willing to cut some others off Gentiles, be, cut them off to get the approval of some others. So he, so he had a bit of an issue with that. And uh, I'm sort of glad because uh, I, I found, you know, sometimes uh, things that you have issues with might find a certain bedding down, but, but they can resurface again. You, you, don't, you don't always just have a, a one-time victory where you never have, have this happen again. And this is an apostle. Uh, and God is saying, yeah, I'm going to show you. I'm going to tell you about that. Great people, anointed, high in the kingdom, knew Jesus. But people, people. So, so we, we see a little bit of that going on here. By the way, see how Paul, some of the things Paul said. Uh, he, when Paul gives his, what he said to Peter, and you can read the whole thing yourself, but... He, 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 verse 14, he says some things to them, to Peter. And it, Paul tells, this was the argument I used. And then verse 15, this is really, really, it's really, uh, it's, I don't want to say stinging, but, but it's very, he said, talking of the Gentiles, who, who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles. So, so, so Paul was saying, you, you're thinking about it wrong. Yes, I know what you think, Peter. 
you're in the old mindset of the Gentiles, of the sinners. And that was the mindset. That was every Jew's mindset. He said, you're thinking the old mindset, but let me just say this. They've got the nature of God in them now. Paul said that. Do you see what I'm saying? He'd be cheering for us. Paul, Paul would be cheering for us. Paul, Paul was the champion of Gentile dogs that we are. And he, che- and, and he stood up and he said, no, no, it's not right. And what an incredible turnaround from a man, this zealous Jew, persecutor, completely, how, how, what a wonder that God did in his heart in making him, I'm so glad for Paul. Uh, you know, he's just, he was a real gift to us. And he stood up for these Gentiles and said, no, Peter, they're not, they're not what you're thinking, unclean Gentiles. Don't you say that about them. Their, their nature is the new nature. They're as much Jew in the new nature as, as, as you are. So that's what he said. So, so, okay, so that happened. Okay, now go to Second, uh, 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 second Peter. They're going to speak Thai. About to say Song Pedro and I'm, I've lost my language. I thought, oh, where am I? Uh, Second Peter, and uh, knowing that uh, this uh, this uh, had happened, and and uh, just uh, read something here, and now we have uh, Peter appending some things. So now this is good. <laughs> we uh, we get a little bit from Peter's side, as Paul told us. I had to do this and this to you know to Peter, and then we and now we get a little bit from Peter's uh, chapter three. Uh, Second uh, Peter chapter three, and it's just it's just little, but it's it's really good. Uh, and uh, shall we read from fourteen? Just just wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless, and account the, that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation. Even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. Oh, that's really interesting. As also in all his epistles. Oh, you've read them. Speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, that's that resting of the scriptures, and they do also the other scriptures, Unto their own destruction. So, so, so now we have uh, uh, we can see some things, and because our focus tonight is the relationship of uh, the apostles uh, after the ascension, and the relationship of here Peter and, and Paul, that's what we're going to just see what we see from that. Okay. So, so a number of things here. Uh, uh, the subject, the subject that Peter is speaking of is suffering uh, and long suffering. <coughs> suffering long, and uh, he's speaking of suffering, and uh, and he uh, he says of the Lord, and it's part of walking with the Lord, and uh, and he references Paul, he references Paul now. Uh, you know, I think, I think Peter was aware, Peter was aware, and I think mindful of Paul's sufferings. And uh, why why does that why does that matter? Well, because. I don't think, I don't know that, I can't judge it, but it doesn't seem to me, as far as I can tell, that anybody suffered, any of the other 12, I think probably Paul suffered more than any of them. I think that's fairly fair to say that. Now, the others, 
death, crucifixion, lots of other bad things. But Paul's was just, you know, he details it himself in great length. His sufferings were continuous. And, uh, and uh, I think that Peter was aware of that. And when he's referencing that suffering and long-suffering and, and how it's of the Lord, I think Peter was aware of that. You know, uh, talking about our interaction with people, when you're mindful of somebody else's suffering, it will affect the way you treat them. So when we want to uh, denigrate somebody, when we want to pull somebody down... What we do is we, we, we this is, uh, it's global, I think. We talk about all that they have or, I'll give you an example. There's a pastor I know and you know who uh, travels a lot within his country uh, uh, through the week. He goes out, he preaches. He's back in his own pulpit, always Sunday, midweek meetings and such, most of them. But he, but he goes out, it's his ministry. Uh, anyone who knows him would say that's just part of the ministry God has given him. Okay, so when somebody wanted to attack him, here's what they said. And he thinks he's a big shot, flying all over the country, uh, staying in hotels every night. And, uh, and what they did, they, and they put it on YouTube, they built up this case to, to attack this man by uh, look, at all, look at all that he has and the wealth of that church. And, and uh, can you see that we do that? Uh, when we do that to someone... Somehow it empowers us to be able to attack them. We, we, feel, we feel vindicated in attacking them. So someone will say this, yeah, all the pollies, they're way overpaid. You know, well, actually, the, you know what? Politicians are on miserable money. You don't go into politics to make money. If that shocks you, you just haven't looked at it right. You, if you want to make money, you go business, you go corporate, you do something else. You don't go into politics to make money. Okay, so whatever else you want to say about them, the, the money one. Now, sure, they get more than the guy flipping burgers and they might get more than some, but, but relative to their responsibilities, it's not much. So what happens is when we want to attack someone, we, 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 we build up a case and somehow if their life is going good or we paint it that way and everything is good for them and they're having a good time, okay, somehow that seems to release us to be able to attack them. Now, if you're not getting it yet, it's like this. Uh, you wouldn't go up and kick a cripple. But you might do the same thing to a rugby player on the field. One, you feel like you can do it because he's strong. But the other one, you feel like it would be quite improper to do that. Okay, so people do it. They build someone up and they say things about them. Oh, he's this, he's that, or she's this, she's that, and... And, you know, they, and, and, and they, they attack. But if you're mindful of somebody's sufferings, that has the opposite effect. So if you understand what some people do, and, and usually if you're not mindful of their sufferings, you just don't understand what they do. You don't know how hard it is for them. You don't, you don't know the difficulties of, of their life. Because if you were mindful of that, you know what it would do? It would, you'd be more loving. You'd feel more, look, I'm not going to say anything about him. I'm not going to kick a man when he's down. I'm not going to load him up anymore. If you're mindful of that, it changes the way you are with people. 
And so, so when you think about other people even, now I'm going to just, this kind of little, but people even in the ministry, it isn't what you think it is. It isn't what you think it is. I, I know the people who pastor the largest churches, uh, our churches, congregations of thousands. I know those people. And, and, and you know, they talk to them on the phone. And, and I'm not saying, but I mean, I, I, I see a lot that you don't, everybody else doesn't see. And I can tell you this, it isn't what a lot of people think it is. There's suffering in those jobs. It's difficult. A lot of people hate you and you get slandered and they'll attack your family and say things about your kids. And, uh, and somebody you don't even know will type up an email and, and accuse you of all kinds of things and, and without talking to you, they'll just send it global. And you just sort of got to cop all that all the time. And I'm just saying, if we were mindful of people's sufferings, I think we'd be different in the way that we treat them. I, I, I look at missionaries different now. Every missionary that I see now or I see, a, I look at them differently now because I understand a little bit of what it's like to live on, a, how difficult it is. And when I look at I think, well, God bless you for being there. God bless you for being there. God bless you when you put your heart into those nationals and then they just woke up one morning and said they didn't want you anymore. God bless you when you wept all night and said, I'll never love again. I mean, all of that. It's just life out there. And I'm saying that Peter, they knew all Paul had been through. And they're mindful of that. And when you're mindful of that, it changes the way you relate with people. Even if you don't agree with everything of them, you're mindful. This man has suffered for the Lord. These people are suffering. We, we have no right to, to, I'm not going to load them up. Yeah, but well, what, what they're doing is not right. Well, then I'll speak to them face to face. But I'm not going to be an instrument of their torment. I'm not going to be the instigator of the email. I'm not going to be the cause of them laying in the bed at night thinking, God, I just feel like I just need to leave the ministry. I can't bear this anymore. I don't want to be the afflictor. Okay, the Holy Spirit is a comforter. And I should model myself on that. Yes? Amen. In the way we are with each other. Okay? So, so I think he was mindful of his sufferings. Number two, uh, he, 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 his feelings to Paul, that's a little bit of my Thai perspective, but, but uh, his feelings to Paul was, in verse 15, this is Peter, how Peter felt towards Paul. Paul was a beloved brother. Well, that's, that's how we should feel. That's how the men of God should feel about each other. He's, he's a beloved brother. And that, that's, how we should, that's how we should be with each other. If you just take some time, by the way, just if you meditate on the previous point, just take a little bit of time to think about the other people that sit around you and uh, just understand that, you know, everybody has a story or a few. And a lot of people are bearing things that you don't know. Hey, you know, he's got money and he's got, you know, you, you think you know things, but you don't know things. You think you do. And we just, we just you know, this is a beloved brother. It's a beloved brother. And so that's how he thought about it. And I'm just, it's just instructional. Uh, number three. Uh, both had written to the same people, but no competitiveness or envy. 
Ah, that's a big one. Two apostles had written to the same people, but they were not competitive. There was none of this, I'm of Apollos, I'm, that spirit wasn't there. Well, that's godly, you see. Because a godly spirit says, look, I'm just doing what the Lord wants me to do for his sheep, for his people, and, and oh, uh, praise God, uh, you know, brother so-and-so here does it as well. And uh, there was, just wasn't that competitiveness. Do you know there's a lot of competitiveness in the ministry? It, by the way, the, the, I read recently, and I agree with it, I'm going to preach it sometime. I, I, think, I, think, I think the greatest, maybe, maybe the greatest sin, the, the most damaging, destructive sin uh, in the whole world since the world was made is not the one you're thinking of. You know what I think it is? And I'd argue it biblically. Envy envy it was envy that made people accuse Daniel and try to get him put away it was envy that Lucifer wanted to be God and and anytime envy surfaces there's accusations lies violence competitiveness destruction envy is the sin of Satan and, uh, and when envy is present, envy, envy is like pride in that it masks itself. It wears camouflage. And you don't always recognise its envy. What is it in a missionary or a, a leader that, that stops him rejoicing in the victory of a near neighbour who may have outgrown him what is it in him that he has to either pull that down, explain it away, attack? What, what spirit is that? It's envy. It's a spirit of envy. What is it in us that we're okay with someone when they stay at our level, but when they get elevated... We, we, we have to pull them down. We have to say they're not the same anymore. No, actually, we're not the same because the spirit of envy got us. Envy's like bitterness. It'll open you up to demonic presence. And they'll, they'll greatly trouble you and your family. But none of that, none of that. Peter's writing to them and he said, what I'm telling you, uh, uh, even as our, verse 15, even as our beloved brother Paul uh, had written unto you. Paul, well, you know, I'm just, 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 just what Paul said is what I'm saying. Because it's all God, it's God's truth. There's no private interpretation here. So they're able to write to the same people without any... See, this is very godly. Because you don't see this much today. It's very hard to find this. Where people can actually look at the Lord's work like it is the Lord's work. Amen. And I'm just, I'm just a, I'm, I'm one little player on the chessboard. And when he says jump into that square, that's just what I do. And then I go to this one and that's it. And over there, if that other little piece is getting jumped around more, the master has a purpose for that. And I just need to stay in my square. And it'll all work together for good. So, so what, a, what, a, what, a good, what a good thing, you know, they were able to. And then number four, uh, P, 
Peter recognises that God had given uh, a certain amount of wisdom to Paul and that what God had given Paul was gifted to Paul to be dispersed to the people of God. So he didn't stand in the way of Paul's gift. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't feel the need to, to, to uh, not speak of Paul lest Paul get some prominence. Sometimes that's the, that's the, second, that's the step down from out-and-out out envy is just ignore them. It's the same spirit driving it. Just don't mention them. Uh, 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 don't let them exercise their gift lest they get prominence. That's envy. And there was none of that. There was uh, the spirit of uh, uh, Paul's wise. Uh, there's no doubt Peter had read the letters. I've he read them all, but Peter, had, Peter was in touch with what Paul was teaching and writing. We don't think about that. Peter probably got somewhere and someone said, oh, uh, 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 yeah, we just had a meeting. Uh, you know, a letter came in from Paul. Oh, let me, let me see. Can I, can I have that for tonight? Yeah. Hmm. See, they recognise God. They say, oh, this is God. This is God. And when it's God, do you want to be for, do you want to oppose God? Do you want to try to stop what God is doing? Because somehow you might feel that, that it displaces you, and it doesn't, but envy. So he recognised that. And, uh, and then he goes on to say in verse 16, you know, <clears throat> he said, uh, he said uh, I don't always understand, Paul. Well, that's profound right there. I don't always understand Paul. Paul writes things that I don't always understand. They're difficult. But he didn't detract from them. He knew it was God and he knew Paul was of God. But he just, just said truthfully, I, 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 you know, I'm not always in sync with that. That's not, it's not given to me to see all that Paul sees. Paul, Paul sees some things and God shows him some things uh, that God shows him. And I don't always understand them. And I don't always understand even what he's saying, but, but I know it's of God. And I don't do what some do where they try to rest those teachings because they don't understand it. They try to pervert what it is. You've heard the saying. I'll say people, not Baptists, all right? What people don't understand, they fear. What they fear, they attack. What people don't understand, they fear. What they fear, they attack. But he felt no need for that. He said, I don't, I don't get it all the time, but Paul's, you know, it's of God and God leads him and God teaches him. And, and, uh, and so uh, there's just a good relationship there. And uh, then, uh, and I'm about to finish, he strengthened what Paul had said. So he said, I I'm just telling you what I know Paul already had taught you this. So it wasn't that, it was like a double confirmation of something had come from God. And sometimes that's what happens. That happens a lot. Often, you know, uh, I'll, I'll preach sometimes in different places. I might be in America or somewhere and I'll preach and I'll get down and the pastor will say, oh, that was really good, Brother Shemish. You know, our people are really responsive to that. I've taught them that. I, I already taught them that. But just sort of hearing it from you helped. Right? So it wasn't a new truth. But sometimes just that double affirmation was, you know, it was just the second hit of the hammer on the nail to get it in a bit deeper. 
And so, so Peter said, I'm not telling you what Paul already, you know, had, had, had spoken to you about. Okay? And then the, the finish is this, no grudge between them. What about what happened at Antioch? Settled. Settled. I believe Peter would say, Paul was right. I was wrong. Yeah, no, it was fine. I love Paul. He loves me. Yeah, but you too, you too. Well, yeah. Yeah, he stood me to the face because I was to be blamed. But uh, I love him. He loves Jesus and I love him. He loves me. And we're all in this together. Isn't, isn't that, wouldn't that be a welcome spirit to just have amongst ourselves, amongst our churches? Can you just see that that's, that's the spirit of God? If you want to know what's it like when the spirit of God is leading and not the flesh, that's the sort of stuff you get. Okay, thank you. God bless you.